0: to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, well-being speaker, educator and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome to episode 47 of the School of Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope this conversation inspires you to take deliberate action in your life. Tickets are now available for the School of Wellbeing live event in Melbourne, Thursday the 18th of August. If you would love the opportunity to connect, share and learn with other big-hearted humans, this is the event for you. The night will include delicious food, heartwarming conversation, book giveaways and lots of laughs. On with today's show. In this episode, I have the joy of chatting with experienced educator and boarding house leader, Jane Horne. Jane is head of Coonawarra House at Geelong Grammar School and enjoys teaching HPE and heading up the AFLW sports program. As well as her 40 years of experience teaching in schools across Victoria and New South Wales, Jane is a wife, a mother of two grown-up adults in their late 20s and the proud owner of two Border Collies. Jane loves the Geelong Cats, can't cook at all, but can walk for hours. In this episode, we explore what it's like to work and live in a boarding house, how structure and routine enable student learning, the importance of blocking out time for exercise and social connection, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jane Horn. Jane, welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. Oh,
1: Meg, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here with you and having a little bit of chat about life in a boarding house.
0: Life in a boarding house. Jane, how did you
1: get so experienced
0: in the world of boarding?
1: Oh, I don't know that I'm that experienced, but um, it started when I was a teacher. So I've been involved in teaching for 40 years, quite a long time. And um, for the first uh, 20 years, I was uh, cruising around in in Melbourne and, and really enjoyed camps and enjoyed being involved with coaching teams and certainly found that I had an empathy and an understanding with young people that operated from more of a coaching side of life rather than the teaching side. I was a health and physical education teacher, but certainly enjoyed being with with groups of students away on camps. And then at each school, I became more and more involved in outdoor ed and camping and taking kids away and organising things and organising them being out of school rather than in school and certainly enjoyed that. Then I had a little break and I um, got married and had small children, but as soon as the kids went to school, I went back to school too, but we were living in Western Victoria by then. So I started doing similar things at uh, one of the schools there and ultimately ended up getting the traditional tap on the shoulder, as you sometimes do as a person involved in boarding. I was working a few nights because it worked perfectly for me as a mum with doing nights in the boarding house on a casual basis. And then that turned into a position coming up as the director of boarding so I applied and got that position as a female director of boarding in a co-ed school with about 100 boarders and we're about a third of the school so it was quite a big position and I really enjoyed it and I took on primary school PE teaching and uh, was head of boarding and really loved that. My children at the time were 10 and 11 so we sort of all immersed ourselves in boarding life And then I stayed there for 10 years and then we moved to Geelong and I secured a position at um, Geelong Grammar School as head of Coonawarra House, which is a middle school girls boarding house here at Geelong Grammar and one of the um, four houses in middle school. But there are two boarding houses, a boys and a girls house and two day houses. So quite a big experience here. Certainly a change with lots of heads of houses here to work with and I find myself here with much experience and great wisdom, Um, not necessarily hip and cool as a PE teacher anymore, but certainly have experience and wisdom on my side.
0: Oh, Jane, I'm sure if I gave you a clipboard, you'd be off and running in a second.
1: (laughs) My friends do say I spend a lot of time connected to a clipboard. I do like a list.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes, us PE teachers, we love a list and we love a little bit of (laughs) (laughs) organising.
1: We love a list. So that's where my strength is in organising and, and also keeping uh, a boarding house fun because it can be pretty busy and especially in 2022 there's been so many changes in the 17 years I've been involved as, as what boarding is and why students come. So uh, I've had to be very flexible and adaptable in, in managing the current
0: crop that I have which are middle school girls. So tell us, what is it like to work in a boarding house with middle school girls? Well, here at Geelong Grammar, it's probably one
1: of the largest uh, middle school boarding schools in the country, if not further afield, because we have uh, beds for 70 and currently have 56 girls in boarding. They're all aged between 11 and 14. Most of them will turn 14 in their year eight year. And it's a precursor for our um, timber top year where the, the, students go away for a whole year so it's like um it's hard to explain what it's like but there are 56 girls prepubescent pubescent, all with their own opinions they know everything and then they know nothing uh they're very caring but they're also competitive they're um very challenging but they also love living together uh they're on all the time at the boarding school so when we wake up at quarter to seven or wake them up at quarter to seven they're on all day and it's really, really busy. And it's also really tiring for them and and for us as staff, but we have a lights out system at, at quarter past nine. So that's a very long day for a student to be immersed in all things to do with school, education and being with their friends. But we do work with them at their level and not the level they think they are. So even though they might be 12 thinking they're going on 16 or 18, we do tend to Focus on the fact that they are still little, and they're learning the routine. So it's all pretty good fun. It's messy. It can be mad. It can be sad. It can be bad, and it can be glad, as someone I think once said. Um, and all in one day, or even over an hour. So their little personalities come come into play a lot. But I also really enjoyed my previous experience where we had um, top-heavy boarding. So we were very much a ten, eleven, and twelve with some younger ones. So. The whole experience of boarding, the girls will tell you that it's all about good friends and um, good fun, but it's also about them having a secure, safe place to actually live and learn.
0: Yes, thinking about that idea of having a safe place to learn and to live. So what brings people to boarding? Well, I think um, boarding in 2022
1: is very different to what a lot of people might think. Um, It used to be the the theory that people were sent to boarding school to sort yourself out or certainly now many families still choose it because of the distance that that it's often the best option for them. And if they're coming to school for a period of time, say five weeks before they can get back home again, then obviously it's very important that the school and the the boarding school is able, able to cater for them for seven days a week. So we have um, Saturday Sport, we have activities on here. It's a large campus with lots of facilities. So there are lots of reasons to choose a big school, but the small schools are just as amazing as well, the boarding schools, because they create a huge uh, sense of family. So the reasons for coming to boarding school are often to do with distance, but they're often to do with family as well, that maybe one parent went to boarding school and want to share that experience. Obviously, an education is really important. Some parents that we have have long working hours in the city. And so instead of being at before school care and after school care, they can be at boarding school to complement their education. Um, We often have students here as a result of family breakup or being in a single parent family. And uh, solo parent homes often want their single children to have siblings and to learn what it's like to be in a family. So there are lots and lots of reasons why parents choose boarding. And many of them are varied. And sometimes the younger students that come, people will often say, I can't believe that they're, they're at boarding school, but it's often the best place for them because otherwise they would be in a variety of childcare settings. But in fact, in boarding school, they're being really well cared for um, by professional people um, who are well trained and well experienced. And some parents still do outsource the raising of their children. I've um, certainly had boarders who have been sent but then never wanted to go home again. Um, and sometimes this is exactly what happens in a boarding school. We have boundaries, we have rules and expectations, and that for many students allows them to flourish because they know exactly where they stand and they're learning the consistency of, of getting that sort of love that they need from being immersed in a busy family type atmosphere. Um, I sometimes call it the cruise. You just arrive, unpack and everything's done for you. So It's um, literally a one-arm pack and then they're fed and entertained and looked after by great professional people, which is also really important.
0: And it's so interesting to think about what it would be like for a young person to go from a primary setting to go into boarding school at secondary. Have you seen some young students come in quite unsure and timid and then see them thrive and develop over the years? absolutely and the joy of boarding is that you often get a
1: year five or six or seven student arriving they often come with mum and dad and little siblings and, and maybe even granny comes on the first day to to see where you're going to be and this is going to be your new home and this is where you're going to grow up and and then from my point of view the joy of then six seven years later standing there as they've driven their own Car, usually by then. So they've often turned 18 and they're packing up their own car and they're leaving very much on their own as independent uh, young people ready to take on whatever the next part of their journey is. And I can assure you I've shed number, a number of tears on speech days as we farewelled year 12s who started in our care as tiny little year sixes and sevens. And uh, certainly that's the joy of middle school boarding here too, which is a very much a dormitory type setup. And yet in year 11 and 12, they often have their single rooms. So they miss their dorms. I always invite the year 12s back in their last week and there's lots of reminiscing goes on, but they do grow in their independence. They have to. Students who come in in year seven have to learn, you know, where to put their washing, how to make their beds, where do I go to get a meal, How you know, they have to know things that maybe students who are at home don't. Um, And we are growing grown-ups. We do want them to learn their independence. But um, certainly the connections and the relationships with family is something that's also amazing because those little siblings that came on the first day then come back. So you get the connection with the whole family too. And that's really an honour and a privilege for me as a director of boarding and a a head of house to actually experience that um, connection with families that still maintains today, even though the students are, are well and truly some of them married and with their own families now, and, and those connections are, are lifelong, which is terrific.
0: And that's something that I've always admired in you, Jane, is your ability to create relationships. I know when we first met, we just hit it off straight away and we could talk underwater for hours about anything. And I think when it comes to boarding, that relationship piece sounds so important. Well, it is. And it, it, it's not only the
1: relationship that they develop with me, there's other staff too, and sometimes it doesn't click with me in a student, so it's really important to acknowledge that in our in our staff we need young ones old ones experienced ones you know we need a variety of staff to match the variety of the students. Yes it's nice to have someone who's who's experienced at the top, but it's also really important to have some young staff around where they can chat and we also have at this particular school a house assistant role or what used to be called the matron role. And that person in our house is so important because they're the person that looks to their medical needs and and has a chat to the girls. But those bedside chats are really, really important too. And you can see immediately how that relationship is developing. But the girls need also to have that relationship with others. And when I worked at a co-ed boarding house with senior boarding, they're like siblings. It was fantastic to have the, you know, we had a boy's house and a girl's house and, and on a Saturday night you might be showing different movies in different houses but there'd be a, a cohort of co-ed kids all enjoying whatever you were offering and enjoying the relationship because they do miss their families and they miss their siblings but we can replicate that as best we can in a boarding environment as well and at the same time we can support them with their academics, we can support them medically, we can support them if they have a little glitch with their mental health we can see that on them and we can work as a team with the
0: families to um, get them back on track and heading in the right direction. So when it comes to working with families, what have you learned over the journey? I think
1: one of the important things we do is transition for us starts well before the student actually arrives. Um, I really enjoy meeting the families even on the the first tour they might have of the school and, and really getting to know them then, keeping the contact going. And then the family, it's really important that the parents feel that they're making the right decision too, that it's not a it's not going to be a loss for them. It's going to be a gain. And I remember one year, and I don't think it was at this school, but I made a speech about how, you know, you'll be gaining a, a new family. And the, the parent came up to me and said, We don't need a new family. We don't want a new family. I said, That's okay. That's fine. And about six weeks later, she said, We have got a new family. I've got some new friends too. And and it is that whole thing of Families take boarding on board, but they also travel the journey with other families. And so we have a welcome lunch on the first day and there are families that look at each other and might say, oh, you're, you, and, we're in the same town. And so they suddenly realise that they're all part of a, a bigger relationship. And that relationship to me is very important. We're a team. Anything I say to a child, I would say to the parent. Anything the child says to me should be able to be said to the parent as well. And we all work together to bring about Uh, the support and stability that the child needs. So it's very much a team effort. And the staff are on board too. Each of the staff members has a mentor, a formal mentor role in the house. But they're also fantastic people that live and work and bring things in of interest. You know, having an art teacher, having a librarian, having a history teacher, they all bring in their own interest into the house and the girls connect to them, which is lovely.
0: No, it's absolutely beautiful. And what I'm thinking about is, For a parent, I know working in primary schools and secondary schools, when they're in primary school, they know a lot of detail. They know exactly what they've had for lunch. They know exactly what's happened, where the jumper is or not, if it's in lost property. And then to go to secondary school and then to boarding school, how do parents go with that transition of letting go of that daily involvement? Well, having
1: not been in that position, I really probably can't speak effectively in that, but what I have seen is that they need to let it go. I had the wonderful experience of a parent dropping off a single child when he was in year seven, and this is at a former school, and the mum, I could tell the mum wasn't going to cope. She wasn't going to manage. And uh, my biggest piece of advice for her was, whilst we're keeping your son busy here, you need to keep busy at home. And I said, if you've ever thought about taking up golf or tennis or keeping yourself busy at home, because we will manage all those things now that you've been doing, we will help you do that, but you need to keep busy. She is now a really good golfer. (laughs) So uh, parents do need to acknowledge that this is going to be a hard time for them too. And we've found that particularly coming out of the previous two years, the students have been well and truly ensconced at home. And they've been well managed by their parents and loved and cared for. And lots of parents have chosen to send uh, students to to boarding school. And they do have to let go a little bit. They do have to accept that what's going to come home at the end of the year will be a different version of what they drop off at the beginning of the year. We hope it'll be a better version. But some of the girls here also learn things that perhaps they might not have learned because they're with a large cohort of um Of girls and so they might be coming home with some things that parents are thinking oh I didn't think that would happen but we hope that they're learning all the right things.
0: Yeah and thinking about that dynamic of siblings with siblings there's joy there's magic there's also drama and tension so what are some typical things that pop up in a boarding house when it comes to drama and tension?
1: Oh, drama and tension, that happens all the time in here, Meg. We've got um, 56 to 13-year-old girls on average, so there's always something. The biggest issue that I face now, which is very prevalent in a middle school girls' boarding house, are, is always friendship issues. Connecting. Their biggest concern, and this even happens when they've maybe been here, even for a year and a half. I've just We've just come back for the beginning of semester two and a couple of the girls that have been here since year seven were still a little bit nervous about, you know, will, will my friendship group change? Will it be different? Because each time we bring in new students or new students start, there's a change in the friendship dynamic. And we all know that as adults, when you go back to your school reunion or you're going to a function, we all know, we thought, oh, this could be a bit weird, I might not know anybody. So that feeling in a 13-year-old is exactly the same as it would be in a 40-year-old adult. There's some concerns about, I don't know if we'll know anybody, or, but you know that once you get there and get started, there are people that you know or there's connections that you make. And these girls do that very, very quickly. And so we soon find that transition can be a safe one, but certainly friendship issues are the first thing. Social standing is the next thing. Where do I fit and where do I want to be? And that can sometimes take a little while because. We're managing introverts and extroverts in the house. We're making sure that we're not too noisy all the time. You know, schools can be really good places if you're an extrovert, but it's harder to manage if you're an introvert. And in a boarding house, it's exactly the same. We have to have spaces where you can go and be quiet and read a book, spaces where you can be noisy and put on just dance and all do things together. So the balance of that in the boarding house also supports the type of student we're going to have. So again, going back to the transition process for parents, the more I know about a student, the better I can make their transition smooth and as seamless as possible. Inevitably, there will be hiccups. A little story at the end of each term, I asked the girls to select a couple of names that they'd be comfortable in a dorm with, because we still have dormitory accommodation. So there are 15 girls in a dorm, and that's a lot. And of course, some you know, I go to great trouble to make sure everybody's sorted. And I was having a conversation with a little girl who came back just this week and she was a bit tearful about things that changed. And I said, so who did you choose? She said, I can't remember. And so, so they often think that their friendship at the end of term two can be completely different to the beginning of term three. And we need to be able to be ready for that. Some students came come in and say, I can't possibly be in a dorm with this person. And then 24 hours later, they're best friends. So we never know what's going to happen with your average sort of 12 and 13-year-old, but experience tells tells me that I always say to the girls, I know you might not be happy now, but come and see me in a week or two and we'll see what happens. And if I chase them up in a week or two, I go, now, what about that? Oh, no, I'm fine now, thanks. It's
0: all good. It's great. Love it. So they move on pretty quickly. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. There's there's drama, and then it settles, and drama, and then it settles, and learning how to roll with those waves. It's, it's just a part of it, and that's
1: all part of also what I do with training staff. Is staff come in and go, "Oh, there's been a big blow up." I go, "Yeah, well, just wait two hours and see if it's still a blow up," because often they do. You know, like in any family, you have a screaming match with a sibling, and then by the time the next meal comes along, they're you know laughing hysterically at a joke. So. It's a bit the same here in this community as well, where they can be, um, things can feel a bit unsure and then time goes past and suddenly the path, are familiar, the people are familiar and everything settles down so that they can learn. They physically feel safe. They emotionally feel safe. Socially, the safety is improving. And also we have the huge balance of cultural differences. We've got overseas students. We've got Indigenous students. We've got students from inner city. We've got students from small rural towns. We have to allow that time for that to all happen and to provide a safe, caring boarding house to facilitate their learning. They're here to learn. And we need to allow their curiosity and their courage and their compassion to come to the surface so that we can work on all those things that we need to. And um, the amazing support team of staff are really incredible. And everybody's got an eye on everybody, which is great.
0: It's so wonderful to think about that. I go back to a time when I was working in a boarding house and I had zero experience of boarding. I left home probably about twenty five so I was <laughs> very um, in a different space when it came to school um I think i yeah, I started teaching when I was living at home, so my first ever exposure to a boarding house was when I was working in one, and one thing that struck me and you talked about earlier, was just how on it is. I remember walking around doing the lights out and this young student, she was reading her book. And I was thinking, God, how are you reading your book? You've got someone popping in every two seconds and another student saying, why are you reading that book? That's a dumb book. Or this is that. Let's go dance and let's do this. And just how it's so on. So how do you create spaces for people that need to just chill out, just to recalibrate and not be on? Mm. Well, the the being on thing is one of the biggest
1: things that can be exhausting. It's the really hard part of boarding. Now we have, as I mentioned, we have spaces, we have times in the day. So their school day commences and they're on from quarter to seven in the morning and we're off to breakfast and then we come back, we have an assembly They've got to get their things organised for the day. They come and go at break, so recess, lunch, they're in the house. After school, they're in the house. Then they go to an activity usually, whether it's sport, music, or an activity every night till five. At five o'clock, we open up the phone room and they're allowed their phones and that is very much downtime for them. It's an opportunity to speak to home. Uh, It's an opportunity to be with each other if they want to or they can quietly take themselves off and just have a chat. So those downtimes are really important, but it's also important for staff. The staff do the same as the as the students. So we teach all day, we probably coach a sport, and then we've got boarding duty for four or five hours every night, or not every night, but a night, one night per week. So the staff need their downtime too. Between the hours of five and six thirty, we allow them to have girls to have their phones. They have a meal together, and then we have a bit more free time. Within the house, there are spaces where there is an unwritten rule that it's quiet. And then, of course, unlike home where students might be up to sort of 10 o'clock, I don't know what, but but it's hard, but we really try and insist on reading time at 8.30 and get them into a pattern of getting themselves no Kindles, no screens upstairs, only books, and then lights out at quarter past nine and hope with a little bit of quiet chat,
0: that'll be it dream on mrs horn that's never it. <laughs> i was just thinking that like, that sounds like good for my routine i would love an eight thirty bedtime read my book and then mrs horn come and telling me to go to bed i know and that's the thing if I,
1: if only as adults we could do the same thing but we don't <laughs> so look it is important to have that time where they have to be on we we have to acknowledge how tired they are and that the, the developing brain in these kids is so so important to look after And we need to make sure it's being fed well and it's also getting enough sleep at night time so that the toxins that they've built up through the day in the brain can be washed away and they start afresh tomorrow. But if they fight that, which they can do when there's 14 people in your dorm, if they fight that and they don't get to sleep till 11, 11.30 because they're chatting or someone's coming to the dorm, then obviously we end up with cranky students that don't function well. They're not flourishing. They're not feeling great. And so the sleep thing is absolutely critical in a boarding house. And it's the hardest thing to manage because everybody at nine thirty, ten is tired. Anyone having an interaction with a 13 year old who's doing the wrong thing, most teachers are going to have some sort of clash. I'm not at my best at ten thirty at night when there are five girls roaring around the house. And so we all need to have a big breath and think, you know, quietly, go to your rooms, we'll deal with this tomorrow. Um, so we try to manage that. And and every head of boarding would have the same problem. But there are students always pushing boundaries. And if the boundaries are tight, then they know if they cross that boundary, there will be consequences. So we um, put those in place. And I've got a beautifully mulched garden most weeks. I have um, phones in my drawer at various times. I have students doing early morning runs if they're up late. Uh, so yes, we try to manage that. Most most students at this time of year, if they've got to do an early morning run because they've been up late, they don't. They tend to go to
0: sleep well the next night. Mm, I can only imagine. And so, how do you manage technology? Like I've heard you talk about phones. How do you manage technology in a boarding house?
1: There's an enormous amount of trust that goes with anything in in boarding. And I'm in many respects, I'm glad that I don't uh, have to do too much management in the senior part of the school. We are able to lock their phones away from 6.30 at night till 5pm the next day. So we don't have phones in bedrooms. We don't have any of that because I remember being involved in boarding when um, we were trying to manage phones that didn't have cameras on them, for instance, because they weren't allowed to have cameras in the house. And that's all changed completely. The best place for a phone is locked up. And, of course, they need to be able to access home, but they don't need to access home every day. You know, the the days of the long line with the public phone in the hallway are gone. And the phone's fantastic. I'm a big fan of a mobile phone. I think they're awesome. But sometimes in the hands of these children with developing brains, they make silly decisions and they do dumb things with their photos and they say things inappropriately. So we manage that if it occurs. Um, I cannot believe that parents allow their children to have phones at such a young age. I find that quite amazing because they don't ever learn to make an arrangement. So I'm pretty sure you and I, Meg, if if our mothers said to us that they'd pick us up at school at five o'clock, we just sat there and waited for them. We had no choice. Um, whereas now I think students ring at one minute to five going, where are you? You're not here. I'm so embarrassed. You can't leave me sitting here. Whereas we sat with the discomfort of sitting outside school, waiting for our mum to pick up. Who had arrived because they were busy having picked up other children from other sports. And so now it's all very much, oh, don't worry, I'll just text her when I'm ready. And so they don't make arrangements or plans. And I think that's really sad. So we enjoy not having phones in their hands all the time in middle school. They still have screens on their computers, and that's just a challenge. And of course, we've just come out of two years where the screen's been school. So there's still that transition from. The laptop in my hand is my whole connection to school and so we're trying to get rid of that by having outdoor spaces as well. We lock the house at lunchtime so they're running around with all the students in middle school. We try to provide as much non-screen time as we can.
0: Oh, Jane, I think I need to come and join your boarding house. I I think you need to lock my phone up for me. And because, like, lots of adults are struggling with so many of these concepts, like lots of adult listeners are struggling to get to sleep. That's right, yeah. You know, they're struggling to put their devices away and I think that this conversation is really highlighting to me how important it is that we as adults create these boundaries for our young people because they do have a developing brain and they don't have the ability to see perspective. Mm. You know, perspective is a function of experience and they don't have that experience yet. They're really in the moment. The emotions are high. Intelligence is still lagging behind and creating these environments where they can get on and connect and have fun and not be worried about the tech. Well, what it does, Meg, without the phones is they, they play still because there are only 12,
1: some of them. They need to play, and I hope that they learn to still do that and they're not staring at each other going, we don't know what to do because we haven't got a computer or a phone. Go play. Go outside, run around, have fun, because they are still um, little people. Which is great. So, and we need to start, we have mentor groups and we have activities and we try to go places without phones so that, um, but of course, for all of us, it's a bit of a security. We know we've got that tether and that connection by having the phone. And when they don't have a phone, the girls often will say, oh, I feel so good not having my phone. We can just enjoy. So when we have ath days and sport, they don't have their phones for sport, all that sort of stuff. They just play, which is terrific. And they can just
0: enjoy it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Right. And so, when it comes to boarding, is there sometimes where you work with a young student and you just realise that it's just a bit too early or just not the right timing for them, that it's just not the right option at the moment? Um,
1: we would have that conversation where we would say they're very young. And this has become particularly prevalent after COVID. Two years of home and two years of a little bit of lack of social development generally. I'm, I'm no expert on any of this, and I don't think any of us are two years with because we're so young so we're coming in at age into year seven and eight having had grade five and six in victoria mainly in lockdown there's been a level of uncertainty in their education and an inconsistency in what's occurred so we don't know what whether they've all got the maths or they might have missed that bit or they haven't read the books the way they used to it in primary school you remember in grade five and six used to have a read aloud session i don't think Students have read aloud a lot in grade five and six in the last two years. Um, But this year has been just as tough with students having to absent themselves if they've been connected to um, a COVID case. So uh, you will recall earlier in the year, we had household contacts. So in a boarding house, a household contact was anyone in the dorm that they were sleeping in. So we were sending 15 girls home at a time because one person uh, would have contracted COVID so that's just been just as um, interrupted as it has been over the last two years. but for the previous two years as a boarding house, we stayed open, didn't miss a lockdown, didn't miss a day. The girls were here. If they chose to stay in and some of them had to, then we kept open and it meant that their continuing education was amazing. They had that peer-to-peer support that everybody missed out on. But the students coming in now do need catching up but we're getting there very quickly. They're catching it up really quickly. And the teachers who have had the consistency now are really enjoying saying, right, tick, we've done that. We've gone over um, those things that maybe they missed out on when they were in year six, and we've picked it up again in year seven, or the year eights have found that they're doing it again in case somebody missed it last year. So, Those boarders who have actually stayed in their boarding houses, and many boarding houses stayed open over the the journey of lockdowns, particularly in Victoria, they have become more resilient. They have become more adaptable. They're super independent and they're connected. They've been together with their friends. They've had the support of their peers with their education by able to say, Have you done this? or Can you help me with this? And so they are absolutely thriving this year too. They're having a great time. And the other ones are learning from them, which is another fantastic thing in a boarding house. They do learn lots from their peers. So we are enjoying getting there again and hope that we're able to be so consistent. And it's so lovely to know that things are on again and the challenge of experiencing what it's like to go to a dinner or to have a sports or to get on a bus and be with your mates going to a sports game. The consistency of that gives them reliability and gives them a safety level that they know it's going to be on. They're not thinking the whole time, oh no, maybe it won't happen. So that consistency has been quite joyful for us
0: this year. Oh, I can only imagine just getting people out and doing things. And it's busy. Like it sounds like boarding life is really busy. You know, parents listening who are juggling two or three kids, they might think, oh gosh, imagine trying to juggle that many. (laughs) So how do you, Jane, remain connected, have this beautiful perspective and balance. How do you do it? How do you take care of yourself? Well, the joy of being involved in
1: boarding for 17 years, um, I think I started with a bit of a toolkit. Now I've got a whole toolbox and nearly half of Bunnings in terms of the amount of skills and experience that I can draw upon. So I've got a toolbox now, which is awesome, and I love sharing it, and I love training staff and getting them to come with me and, and be part of an interaction with a student. I still learnt everything I know, though, from wonderful mentors when I first started as well, and even former principals. Some of the skills that I learnt from principals and the gentle, quiet approach is sometimes really, really good. I have learnt what my limits and boundaries are and how to manage my busy times. I know that the first day is going to be one of the longest days of the entire term as we start early. I know that the first two days of every term are going to be busy, so I tend to make an appointment with myself and say, right, I'm going off to have a walk or I'm going to actually sit down and have a cup of coffee, make an appointment like this to do this podcast now right in the middle of a first week back. It's awesome. It just gives me a break and gets me away from face-to-face stuff, which is really, really important. The respite is important to actually allow you to sit back and sometimes just ponder whether or not you're going to make a particular decision or whether you're going to come in hard on someone. I love the conversations with the students. A lot of the time it doesn't feel like work. I had a beautiful five o'clock conversation yesterday with a bunch of year sevens who'd been a bit silly at night time and it was just great and saying, girls, you can, you won't be able to keep this up. Yeah, we're really sorry. And off they went, happy as things. So that was great. Also got fantastic staff, Meg. I don't do this by myself there's a wonderful team of staff here and always have had good staff that you know that they'll often say to you, go away, get out, go away, we've got this. Nobody is indispensable. And if something happens to me tomorrow, and all of us have had, I haven't had COVID yet, but most people have had a week off, we've filled the gaps. That's what we do. My term will come and then we'll fill the gaps. And whilst it's 24-7 and every day during term time, holidays are awesome for me to recharge. And I do like even going to the supermarket, even if I only need five things, I'll probably walk every aisle just to make it last a little bit longer. While some busy mums probably hate going to the supermarket, I don't mind going at all because it's a sort of 20 minute, have a look around and see what I might like to buy. I also don't have to cook, so that's a bit of a bonus being in a, um, a boarding house. But similar to what I talked about being on the cruise, I I like boarding, liken boarding to being a bit like a factory. And when the factory's open, you've got it in the top of your mind that you might not be right in the factory, but you're aware that it's operating and there are people there overnight. The very first night I stayed on campus with boarding, I had no sleep. And now I can go to sleep like that. I know that the girls know. A bit like your own family when you get a baby home. The first night you're thinking, I won't wake up. I won't know what to do. But you do. You know you all wake up when things are bad and if you're going to hear the phone, you're going to hear a child calling out your name, it all happens. So, And then you zone out when you're not on duty, which is terrific because you think, I'm not responsible right at the minute, I can actually switch off. So the balance is really important. And when the factory's closed, school holidays, no phone, no responsibility, absolute bliss and I really enjoy it.
0: Oh, that's such powerful things to keep in mind because so many of us get so swept up if it's parenting or teaching. We get so swept up in it and we forget to block out time for ourselves. And organisation is really important.
1: If I'm looking at a day and I teach, I teach um, health and PE, I teach, uh, I coach girls' footy or assist in the girls' footy program. So I've got the triple treat, as they call it at Geelong Grammar, plus boarding. So there are lots of time, but there are still times in the day where I'll actually say, I'm going to have a coffee, I'm just going to sit, or I'm going to go for a walk. We've got a little puppy in the boarding house at the moment, Sabi. she needs a little bit of a walk, I'll take her for a 20-minute walk. It's great. My friends are also incredibly important and family. If I walk away and have a 15-minute conversation with a sister or a friend, that's awesome. That's a break. So those things are really important to timetable as well, to put them into your diary and make an appointment. For yourself.
0: I love that idea to make an appointment with ourselves. Jane, to wrap up this incredible conversation, I'd love to invite you to finish four sentences. Are you up for that? Oh, I hope so, Meg. Yeah, i probably <laughs> talk too much, but yes, far away. I am inspired by. Oh,
1: I'm always inspired by my parents, particularly today. It's my mum's birthday today, and I'm inspired by my mum. She was a PE teacher. She's 85 years old today, 85 years young. And she's been a wonderful carer, and is now looking after my 92-year-old dad and mum. Inspires me every day to do what I do, which is quite incredible. She loves hearing boarding stories.
0: Oh, I can only imagine she would love the the little antics that kids get up to. Yeah, there's plenty of them. Um, when life feels hard. When life feels hard, I definitely hit the
1: beach. I need to have the waves crashing and the sand underneath my feet. I've usually got one, two or three border collie dogs and potentially with a friend and a coffee at the end. So when life gets hard, definitely hit the beach.
0: That sounds like a good motto to me. Um, (laughs) An underrated skill is? Um, I've
1: always uh, valued organisation and planning. Um, I have a to-do list that I do every single night before I go to bed, which just frees up my brain to go to sleep and have a good night, knowing that the first task in the morning, I still write down, wake up at. That's the first thing I have to do. So organisation and planning allows me to have a completely structured day. And part of that also puts a bit of me time in there. So having a day of organisation and planning, um, having the skill of that is something that I think is very underrated. And if we can plan what we need to do and if something's not important, put it on the next day.
0: And I'm looking forward to?
1: Um, next holidays? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm looking for. There's a couple of things. Um, I'm looking forward to a consistent boarding year, to not be having things cancelled. We have the Connor, uh, the Wara Connie house dinner in a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to that because we haven't had it for two years with our families. And then next year, I'm looking forward to long service leave. So that'll be great. So lots of
0: things to look forward to. Oh, thank you so much, Jane, for being a guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. love you. Love your work.
1: Meg, that's amazing. And I'm very, very proud of everything you're doing on your podcast too. I absolutely love it. And it's part of my uh, mental health escape as well
0: is to listen to Meg's podcast every week. (laughs) I love Fridays. (laughs) I'm glad I can help. See you later, Jane. I hope this conversation has given you an insight into boarding life and inspired you to think about your daily routines and how they're impacting the way that you feel, function and relate to others. Before you go, I invite you to complete two sentences. Number one, from this conversation, I want to remember, what is your pearl? And number two, the action I'm going to take in the next 24 hours to support my well being is, If you're enjoying the podcast, I would love you to write a short review on iTunes or Spotify. It will only take a few minutes and it really helps to share the podcast with more listeners. Thank you to Davina for writing the following review. Fabulous, easy listening, great as a mum to be able to learn new things and such interesting guests and conversations. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Davina, for listening and taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate it. To learn how I can help you thrive, visit openmindeducation.com There you can book me to speak at your next event or make an inquiry about my game-changing wellbeing program, Thrive by Design. Join my weekly newsletter to get all the details about upcoming events and to get access to my regular book giveaways. You can find all the links from today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash episode 47. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Wellbeing and I look forward to sharing more heartfelt conversations with you next week.